We have, come on up, come on up, come on up. We get to light three candles today and we get to light the pink candle. We get to light the pink candle. Why is the one candle pink, Pastor Mike? Who's wondering that? Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's a joy candle. It's the joy of the world. So let me get one of my Adventeers to come and light a candle. All right. You get to light anyone except the pink one. Can anyone remember what the first candle stands for? Hope. It is our hope. Thank you. Christ is the hope of the nations, the hope of the worlds. Who's going to light the second one? Anyone but the pink one. Can anyone remember what the second candle was? Peace. Somebody's got their homework done here. Because of the hope, we have peace. And I've snuffed out the light of Jesus there. Now we're going to have this scripture. Do you want to come around here where they can see you? We have two scriptures this morning that uh, are joy scriptures. And there were shepherds lying out. So start by telling them what you're reading there. Luke 2 through 8, 11. And there were shepherds lying out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news to cause great joy for all the people. Today, a town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. Isaiah 2, 7, 14. All, all right, then. So you're going to do it like this. All right, then. All right, then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the version conceived the child he she was will give birth to the son and will call him Emmanuel which means God with us very good job thank you can I get the third who hasn't lit the candle come on over you get to light the pink candle the candle of joy There you go. Thank you very much. Can you give them a hand? Thank you for reading. Our Adventeers. Next week, Christmas Eve, we're having our regular service. We'll light the fourth candle, which is the love candle. And then in the evening at our Christmas Eve service, we get to light all four candles and the Christ candle. So you've got to be here for the Christmas Eve candlelight service to see the completed Advent wreath. Okay? There's a little... (laughs) What's your sign? There you go. Somebody knew. (laughs) It's a question that used to be asked all the time, right? And apparently it's becoming a thing again. And it referred to your, your zodiac sign in astrology. And, and the idea, you know, the sun is moving through the constellations 
And whatever period of time you're born in, if the sun is in that particular constellation, that was your sign. And if you're into this kind of stuff, you're you're compatible with some people and incompatible with others. That's why you would ask the question, what's your sign? So right away, you would know, no, I can't, no. Apparently, my wife and I are incompatible signs. (laughs) We are, according to them. And... And the people that get into that stuff, they believe that that maps out your, your life, that your future and your daily events can be read based on where the sun was when you were born. The Bible says have nothing to do with that stuff. <laughs> but signs come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? I put some up here. Some are instructional signs. Can I get the back screen on, please? Thank you, sir. Some are instructional signs, some are, got the cowboys up there for you. Some are warnings, some are directional, some are informative, some are indicative. Can you see the poor fellow at the bottom right there? I mean, what's that the sign of? Choking, right? That's apparently if you're choking, you have to have the presence of mind to go. So that people will rescue you. And then there are signs of an agreement, a wedding band, an engagement band. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, we, we look for signs or where, where there are no signs. And it's so funny because I was working on this yesterday and this happened to me. I'm, I'm in my office, which is right next to the furnace cabinet and, and, and something, it just didn't quite sound right. So immediately the radar is up, you know, you're looking for something. And I go out of the office and oh, there's a smell. Something's wrong with the furnace. So I'm checking this, trying to track it down. Sandra had lit a scented candle. And (laughs) I was convinced the furnace was going. I saw a sign where there was no sign. And sometimes we do those kinds of things. The Bible is filled with signs. We're in a series called To Bethlehem and Beyond, looking at the events from All the way from the beginning, trouble in the heavenly realms through to the Garden of Eden, the fall of man, the the times that went through there up to the flood and then on from the flood and down to Bethlehem, the birth of Christ. And all along that journey, there are signs. When God flooded the earth, he came to Noah after he flooded the earth. He said, I'm going to give you a sign, Noah, that I'm never going to do this again. Anyone know what the sign was? The rainbow. Light is going to refract through that rain in such a way that's a sign from me to you and the the rest of people. Never going to do this again. Circumcision was a sign. That's what the Bible says. When when God made his agreement with Abraham and said, I'm going to give you, you're going to be a great nation. Kings are going to come from you. I'm giving you this land. But you've got to get circumcised. You know, (laughs) it's not fair, is it? I mean, is it? Doesn't matter. It's not that pretty. I've seen better than this, God, you know. (laughs) But it was a sign. God said, this will be a sign of my agreement with you that I will be your God and you will be my people. And to be God's people sometimes takes a level of commitment. That was a level of commitment. God's miracles are signs. When he called Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery 
and abuse in Egypt, there were all kinds of miracles, all kinds of signs. The plagues, it says in the scripture that the plagues were a sign of God's power. And then he led them away, a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of smoke by day. That was a sign of God's guidance, his leading, his protection. And when they were out in the wilderness and they had nothing to eat, manna, food, fell from the skies. It was a sign of God's provision. Water from the rock was a sign of God's mercy. There were were all kinds of signs, all the way from the Garden of Eden through to Bethlehem and beyond. All affirming God's promise in the garden that he had given to Eve. Actually, it was more of a threat to Satan that her offspring... Will be your comeuppance, mister. You will bruise his heel and he will crush your head. And we see the signs of that promise all the way through to Bethlehem. This morning, we're going to take a leap forward. I was going to stop and do a message on Ahaz because I know how much you all love King Ahaz. But I move forward and we're going to look at. Ah, uh, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about the Magi. Now, I know that we had the Magi last week with the kids, and I'll tell you, that Darth Vader, I'm still having nightmares. <laughs> but we're going to look at it again this morning. They had a sign. What was their sign? The star, right? That's why I love that backdrop that we had. I had that star shining. So I'm going to read Matthew chapter 2. The whole of the chapter is the account of the wise men or the Magi, all right? I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to dive into it a little bit and, and talk about signs. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea of, of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So apparently these people were familiar, obviously, with the Hebrew scriptures. So there's a prophecy right there. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized the wise men had outwitted him, and he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of when the star first appeared. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left the region of Galilee. He left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophet had said. He will be called a Nazarene. Catchphrase that you often hear these days, spoiler alert, right? Means that there's going to be a giveaway. You know, you don't want to hear the spoiler alert because it's going to spoil the movie or it's going to spoil the game. You're going to know the score or you're going to know the twist at the end of the movie or, or the book. And it's going to spoil. It's going to spoil your enjoyment. I mean, if you knew the outcome of the game, would you still watch the game? Yeah? No? Depends, right? If they win, <laughs> it's okay to watch. If you know they're going to lose, it's kind of take it or leave it, right? I mean, but it, it spoils it. And I remember on June the 27th, 2010, I'm not saying this happened to me. On June the 27th, 2010, during the World Cup of soccer, if you know anything about the World Cup, it only happens once every four years right it's not like the cowboys if they miss it this year it's next year once every four years and on this particular day june the 27th 2010 just saying it's possible that this happened england were playing germany their greatest rival and someone may have said something to me didn't give me the score, but gave me enough information that before the game, I kind of knew the outcome of the game. And it was not a positive outcome. Now, the only thing that makes it worse than knowing the outcome is almost knowing the outcome. You're 98% sure of what's going to happen, but you're 2% not sure. So now you have to watch the game. Because maybe it doesn't go the way that you think it's going to go. There's a 2% chance, but you go into it, your team's going to lose. It's not going to be good. I hate this game. I watched the game, England lost 4 nothing. Now, I'm not saying that happened to me on June the 27th, 2010, but it may have. That was a spoiler alert. The Bible is an awesome spoiler alert. You know, Christmas was not a secret. 
It wasn't something that, that they were unaware of. There were all kinds of spoilers all the way through the Bible that pointed to Christmas. But the vast majority of, of the Jews didn't catch the spoiler alerts. And they didn't really figure out what it was all until Christ had died and had been resurrected and gone up to heaven. And then it's kind of like, oh, aha, they had an aha moment. It really was a can't see the forest for the trees kind of events. There were all kinds of signs. I put some, look at these spoilers down through time. Genesis 3.15, the one I just talked about. Prophesies that he would be born from the seed of a woman. Isaiah 7.14 prophesies that he would be born of a virgin. That's unusual. Psalm 2.7 prophesies that he would be the son of God. Genesis 22.18 prophesies he would be the seed of Abraham. Genesis 21.12 prophesies that he would be the son of Isaac. Numbers 24.17 prophesies he would be the son of Jacob. Genesis 49.10 prophesies that he would be of the tribe of Judah. He would be Jewish. Isaiah 11.1 said that he would be of the family of Jesse. Jeremiah 23.5 that he would be of the house of David. Hosea 11.1 that he would come out of Egypt. Micah 5.2 that he would be born in Bethlehem. Psalm 72.10 that he would be presented gifts. Jeremiah 31.15 that the children would be killed. Isaiah 9.6 prophesies that he is pre-existent. And Isaiah 7.14 prophesies that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. There were a few spoilers along the way. And then Matthew also put in there that he would be called a Nazarene. He says, as the prophets have said, but we don't know where that is. It's not in our scriptures, so he had some other information. Christmas was not really a secret, but it was a mystery. It was a mystery. It was kind of weird because things happen that you didn't expect to happen. And sometimes when things happen that you don't expect, you don't process it. It's like, oh, no, that can't be right. I must be seeing it wrong. Now, here's some of the things that I think that are strange to me in this passage of Matthew. We can infer at this point that Jesus is about two years old. That's why Herod was talking to the Magi, the wise men, to ascertain how old is this boy that I'm looking for. And we can, we can guess that he was around two years old. So Mary and Joseph, now think about this, Mary and Joseph have been living in Bethlehem for a couple of years with baby Jesus. He's a two-year-old now. Now, two years ago, the shepherds had come to see the baby. The angels had sent them to Bethlehem. And if you remember the scripture, it says after they had seen the baby, they went everywhere and told everybody about the things that they had seen. And yet right next door, Bethlehem is in essence a suburb of Jerusalem. They didn't know about it. Jesus has been living down the road for two years and they didn't know about it. Odd. Now, here's what's incredible. The Magi, who were not Jewish, didn't live in Judea, didn't even live in the Holy Land, anywhere in the Promised Land, lived in a foreign country, many miles away. They knew. More than that, they were expecting it. Look at these first two verses again. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, 
Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. How did they know? Now let me give you a plausible explanation of how they may possibly have known. The New Living Translation, what I'm using here, uses the term wise men. Most texts use the word magi, and the reason that most texts use the word magi is because in the Greek text, that's the word that is used. But magi is not a Greek word. It's a Persian word. And it can mean numerous things, magicians, occultists, scientists, wise men. Ironically, the one thing it doesn't mean is kings, which we sing about all the time. It doesn't mean kings. But ultimately, the Magi were people who were looking for a sign, either scientifically or astrologically or astronomically. But they're looking for a sign. And Magi is a Persian word, so we have a good idea that these people came from Persia, outside of Judea. They were foreigners. They spoke another language. Now, How did they know about Jesus? How did they know about the coming king of the Jews? So you go back five, six hundred years before Jesus. In the period that I was going to preach on, the Babylonians, a.k.a. the Persians, had invaded Judah and Israel and displaced all the people. They took them out of the Holy Land and took them to Persia. And if you remember this this story that, that there's a Daniel, the prophet Daniel, was one of the people who had been displaced. And after being displaced, Daniel and his three cohorts showed an initiative, and he and three of his compatriots have been singled out for special training. They were to become magi, wise men. And they were to serve the king in this capacity. Now, the king of Babylon at at that time, the king of Persia, was called Nebuchadnezzar. And he had some weird prophetic dream. This is all in Daniel chapter 2, I think it is. And he summoned all of his chief magi together to interpret the dream. Now, he didn't want to be scammed. He's not a dumb man. And he knew that some people only pretend to be soothsayers or wise men. So he brings the the, the wise men in and he says, tell me what my dream means. And they all say, well, give us a clue. (laughs) Tell us the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar says, no. If you've got some power here, you you should know what the dream is. So I'm not going to tell you the dream. Tell me what it means. Well, none of them could. So Nebuchadnezzar gets mad and he puts out an order going to kill all of the wise men. So off go the soldiers to kill the wise men. And when they come to Daniel, Daniel says, whoa, hang on a minute. We can get an answer to the problem here. Send me to the king and I'll give him an answer. He gets to the king and the king does the same thing. He says, I'm not going to tell you the dream, but I've heard that you're able to tell. And Daniel says to him, no, he says, I can't. I don't know how, but my God can. And he interprets the dream. And then in Daniel, oh yeah, Daniel chapter 2, verses 47, 48, it says, The king said to Daniel, Truly, 
Your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position, gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as the chief over all his wise men. So now you've got a Hebrew a studier of the scriptures in a position of authority, the ultimate position of authority in Persia, teaching the wise men. This is five, six hundred years before Christ. There's a very good chance that Daniel taught them about the coming king of the Jews. And this is carried on. Now, something to note here that can be easily missed. When the angel came to Mary, he said the baby will be called Jesus, the son of the most high. Doesn't mention a king. When the angel came to the shepherds, he said the baby would be savior, Messiah, the Lord. Doesn't mention a king. When the angel came to Joseph, Said the baby would be called Jesus, the one who saves. Doesn't mention a king. But to the Magi, coming from the east, they knew from the Hebrew scriptures that the Messiah would be the king of the Jews. Now the star is kind of interesting. Why were they looking for a star? We don't know. There's nothing in scripture except maybe in Genesis 1.14. And I'm reading from the New International. And God said, he's, he's created the stars. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And maybe they've read this. Wow, like stars, they mark the sacred times. We've got to keep looking at these stars. Not from an astrological perspective. Because like I said, God has nothing to do with that. But somewhere these men knew to look for a star and it would be the sign that the king of the Jews has been born. But not just any king of the Jews. The Messiah, the Savior. 500 years from Daniel to these kings. They had not sent Persians to the... To the Jews for the new king. This is the first time this has happened. There's no other reference of this happening in scripture. Why this particular king? Because they were looking for a special king. Not just any king. This king was the Messiah. Was the one that was sent of God. Now, I know I do this. (laughs) I'm going to do it again. I want to talk about the star for just a minute. There are all kind of wonderful theories about the star. What it may and may not have been. Many believe that it was a natural phenomenon. And there are numerous books written about this. Where one planet gets in line with another planet and another planet. When they're all in line, it creates a bright star. And that possibly was the star that they saw. And they followed that star. I think that's bad science. I know it's bad science, and I think that's bad theology. So let me tell you why. Randy talked about sunrise this morning. It's midday, I'm on the equator. 
I decide I'm going to follow the sun today. Where does the sun rise? East. So let's just pretend this is east. So I start my day and I'm walking towards the sun. Where do I end up? I end up in exactly the same place that I started, right? It's exactly the same with the planets, the stars, the moon. The sun's not moving. Well, it is, but not. The earth is rotating. So if you see Jupiter come up at 6 o'clock in the evening, if you stayed up all night, Jupiter's over there at the end of the night. Now, you could decide, look, oh, there's three of them that have linked, and, and you would do this. And you'd come back roughly to where you started. I like science. I like physics. But I believe that the star was an act of God. He put the star in the sky to direct these wise men, these magi. Sometimes God gives us signs, doesn't he? Evidences of where he's leading us, evidences of things that he wants to do in our lives. And Sometimes I think we're like the Hebrews. Sometimes we pick up on the sign, sometimes we kind of pick up on the sign. Sometimes we ignore the sign because we know where the sign's going and we don't actually want to go where the sign is, is leading us. And I think these magi, are, it's kind of interesting Because I think sometimes we start out in the right direction. And we have all intention of being a fully devoted follower of Christ. I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. But somewhere on the journey, we get diverted. And typically we get diverted when what we believe to be true of Jesus contradicts to what we know is true of humanity. So these guys are following a star. The star is leading them to Bethlehem. So they've left Persia. They're on this journey. It's quite a journey. They've come a long, long way. They're following the star to Bethlehem. They get close to Bethlehem. And one of them, we don't know how many, we, we say three, says, hang on a minute, guys. Palace is in Jerusalem. Kings are born in the palace. The star's over there. Jerusalem's over there. We better go to Jerusalem. That's where the king is going to be. And they divert away from the sign that God has given them. I think sometimes we do that in our lives, don't we? We start out strong, but then something happens that all of our reason, our human reasoning, tells us, no, this can't be the way because God's way often doesn't make sense. You know, God says, <laughs> if you want financial security and, and, and to be good with your money, give it away. How many ads do you see for that on TV from a bank? Give your money away. If you want life, give your life away. If you want happiness, be the servant of all. It doesn't make any human sense. So we start off in this direction and when it gets really tough... And, and we're called to do something that makes no sense. We veer off. The palace is over there. I know where the sign is. But that makes no sense. So they veer off and they go. 
But here's the great thing. God is so good. They go to the palace. They meet Herod. They have this conversation with Herod. The wise men of Herod reinforce what the star has already shown them. Where's the king to be born? Bethlehem. Oops. So the wise men think, we're in the wrong spot here. And Herod's doing his thing. I should get that mask. (laughs) We had our our, um, Darth Vader Herod last week. Herod's, you know, yeah, go, go to Bethlehem, find him. But this is what I love about it. As soon as they get back on the right track again, what happens? Star comes up. They leave Jerusalem and they are filled. It says they're filled with joy. Look, guys, the star. We need to go over there. And I think God is so faithful to us sometimes. You know, we start off in the right direction. We get veered off because things don't make sense. We, we make decisions that are anti what God wants for our lives. And at some point, we clue phone. And God says, no, this way, this way. I want you to serve me this way. I want you to do this. And as soon as we make that decision to get back on track, God's right there again. Yeah, over here. Come on over here. I got you. Come with me. You've got to follow the sign all the way to the conclusion. It takes you to Jesus. But you can't veer off the path just because rationale and human logic says this doesn't make any sense. You've got to go the distance. So these magi come bearing gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now the Bible doesn't place any significance on these gifts. We do. We talk about what the gold can mean, what the frankincense can mean, and what the myrrh can mean. They were valuable items. They were standard gifts to honor a king or a deity in the ancient world. This is what you would bring to the king. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But one thing I I like in this It says they came bearing their treasures. Not just gifts. They came bearing their treasures. It's in verse 11. It says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What do you keep in your treasure chest? The things that are most valuable to you, right? They weren't just gifts. It was their treasure. It was the things that were most valuable to them. They, they followed the sign. They went off on a route that they shouldn't have gone. God brings them back, takes them to Jesus. They get to Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, they offer to Jesus the things that are most valuable to them so that they can receive from Jesus what is really valuable. Christmas is a big giveaway. God is giving it all away. It was written in the stars. It was written in the word. And it's written on our hearts. If we would but follow our hearts. The Hebrews needed a few aha moments. Sometimes we need an aha moment, don't we? 
For me, the real giveaway at Christmas is the yet to come. The best is yet to come. When you receive the gift of Jesus, you receive the gift of hope. You receive the gift of peace. You receive the gift of joy. You receive the gift of love. All of the things that we chase after with our treasures and our time and our talents. How many have said, I just want my kids to have a better life. And when we think of the better life, it usually contains treasures, talents, stuff. I just want my kids to have a better life. God just wants his kids to have a better life. He says, if you will, if you will go the distance, if you will come to me and not veer off the path and stay on the path and live the way I call you to live, live in obedience to me, whatever that might mean, whether it makes sense or doesn't make sense to you, if you will go the whole way, you will find Jesus. And when you find Jesus, I have gifts for you. I have hope. I have love. I have joy. I have peace. Everything that you want, I have for you. Will you bring me what you have so that you can take from me what I have? And then he takes it a step further. He says, you've got to give it away. When you give the gift of Jesus, you give the gift of hope. You give the gift of love. You give the gift of joy. You give the gift of peace. This Christmas, nice simple message for you today. You be the sign. You be the star. You be the light. When you get to Jesus and you say, I give it all to you, Jesus. Whatever's in the way, that's your point of deviation. Whatever gets in the way, I give it to you, Jesus. I truly want to be your follower. I give you my doubts. I give you my fears. I give you everything that gets in the way. So that I may have from you what I need in my heart. Love, joy, peace, hope. So that I can go in the world now. And people can look at me and see something different and wonder what the difference is. And I can say it's Jesus. And my Jesus will give you love. He will give you hope. He will give you joy. He will give you peace. You need my Jesus. And somebody will say, man, that's weird. I heard something today and been thinking about that. It's like you're a sign. You are a sign. Be the sign. Amen? Amen? Nice simple message this morning. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are our God. And we are your children. And you are with us. You came to be with us in person, in the flesh, and you are with us here and now in the spirit. Father, I know that there are signs. It's just so neat. We had that backdrop and then Randy talked about who could paint this. 
You're all around us if we would but see, Father. Father, help each and every one of us when we deviate from the path that you've had us on. When we deviate from faith and we allow fear to reign, it will stop us living completely and fully with our time, our treasures, our talents, whatever it might be, our attitude, that we would complete the journey and get to Jesus and offer to you with open hands all that we are, all of our doubts, all of our fears, all of our pride, so that we can receive from you all that you have for us. And while heads are bowed, If you've never taken that first step to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, you may have been a believer for years, but you've never taken that first step and said, Jesus, I need to complete the journey. I need to come to you. It's such a simple step. And this morning, you can continue the journey and you can get to Jesus. It's when you put your pride aside and you say, Jesus, you can pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. And I need faith to trust in you. I ask you to come into my life as my Lord and Savior that I may live for you. And Father, for the rest of us, if you've been on this journey and for some reason you've taken a diversion, this is your time to go to God right now and say, please, put me back on the journey. Let me see your sign and may I follow your sign, and be completely and fully yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today to ask Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, when the offering comes around in a minute, I'm going to ask you to take one of our communication cards, even though it's a name and address, and just put your name on there and say, I decided. Because I want to pray for you. Anytime somebody makes a decision for Jesus Christ, two things happen. Number one, there's a party in heaven. There's a party in heaven. It says that in the scripture. There's a whole bunch of angels up there right now. If you prayed that prayer, if you're online and you prayed that prayer, there's a whole bunch of angels up there right now high five and woo, way to go. And they're having a party because one that had deviated has come back. And it's been reunited with God. And the second thing that happens is Satan gets really upset. And he will do whatever to get you back off the path again. So you need prayer. And you need some guidance. So if you made that decision today or if you're thinking about that decision, maybe there's something that you've been fighting with for a while. And later on today, you'll just, God, I just need to surrender here. I need Jesus. I've believed, but I've never taken that step. Let me know so that I can pray for you. And I've got materials that can help you stay strong on this journey.
Can I have those come forward, please, that are going to take up the offering? What time is it? Spiritual warfare, real quick. It's real. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in a conversation with someone about Jesus and invited them to take that step of faith to invite Jesus into their heart as their Lord and Savior. And at the moment of that conversation, stuff starts happening. The phone rings. The cat screams. (laughs) Something happens. There is real spiritual warfare that goes on. And I don't know why I'm saying this. Somebody out here may be struggling. So I just want to just keep on for just a couple minutes more. And you might be sitting there today or you might be listening online and you've got this thing going on inside of you. And you've heard this before. And you've been a believer for years, but you've never taken that step, step and said, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need you to come into my life. That is a spiritual battle that is going on right now in your life. And Jesus is saying to you, come. Finish the journey. And Satan is saying, yeah. Listen to Jesus. And finish the journey. Amen? All right. We're going to take up our offering. There are three pieces of paper in the seat in front of you somewhere. One is a communication card. I've already talked about that. If you're a guest, let us know. If you're online, watching online... Put something in Messenger there. Let us know that you're watching us. Let us know that you're here so that we have a record of your visit. We will not bug you. I'd like to write you a letter just to thank you for coming. There's also a prayer request card there. When we ask for prayer, we are saying to God, we trust you. And when we don't ask for prayer, what are we saying to God? Now, God doesn't always come through the way that we think that God ought to come through. And sometimes that affects our prayer life. But the Bible is very clear about this. Be persistent in prayer and ask. So if you have a prayer request, fill out a prayer card and drop it in the basket as it goes by. If it's a private request, I'll be the only one that sees it. Apart from the person that pulls it out, of course. If you would like others to pray for you, check that one off. And we'll pass it out to our whole prayer team. And they will all be praying for you but we need to pray for one another and the third thing is the offering envelope if you want to write a check or or um, cash you can put it in the envelope and drop the envelope right into the bag you can go online to our website to tithely and uh, you can give that way you mail it in to whatever you choose to do let's pray for our offering father we just give you thanks i thank you when it comes to this part of the service because this is when we tangibly Show our trust in you. I think of everything that you call us to do sometimes. It's parting with our treasure that really is the litmus test. And so difficult. And and you know my journey, God, for many, many years. It was like, "Mm." (laughs) Father, may we complete the journey when it comes to our giving. And may we give in the manner that you've called us to give. May we give faithfully. May we give generously. And may we give joyfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
We don't have many announcements. All of our events have kind of gone through. We have our Christmas Eve service. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. Yay! I love Christmas. We're going to have our regular 10.30 service here. And then at 5 o'clock, we're going to have our Christmas candlelight service here in the sanctuary. So two services next week, okay? And we will line this place around. And the second service, the five o'clock, there's no sermon or anything. Just some scripture. We're going to sing songs. Kayla's going to lead that service. And uh, we always close it with silent night. Everybody around the edge with candles and dropping wax on the chairs and the floor. It's great. <laughs> so please do come and be a part of that. And invite your friends. This is how you can be a light. It's not threatening. Come to the candlelight service. People will come to church at Christmas. Because it's kind of what they do. So invite your friends. And then we have our Lakeway Men's Retreat, February 23rd to 25. Now that's a month or so away, but guys, registration begins January the 7th. I want to encourage each and every man to come and be a part of the Men's Retreat. It is an absolutely incredible experience. It is a life-changing experience. I love it. It's my favorite event of the year. Because we get to get away, we get to spend a whole weekend, we're we're focused on God. And man, we eat good. (laughs) I'm serious about the food. We eat good. We're we're having the steaks on Saturday? Catfish on Friday, Friday, steaks on Saturday. Burritos Sunday morning. It's great. But spiritually, it's awesome. So guys... Don't go so far on the journey and then stop. Come to the retreat. Did I miss any, any other announcements that we need? Thank you. <laughs> Please stand. Father, again, we thank you for your gifts of love, joy, peace, and hope. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that is in him that he gives to us. And Father, I pray for each and every one that is here. I pray for those who are watching online, those who will watch online. Let your blessing be poured out upon us, Father. May we come to you with open hands, holding on to nothing, so that we may receive from you all that you have for us. And may we go into the world and be a sign to those that don't know you that you are good, that you are faithful, that you love, and that you have a better way. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming. We'll see you next Sunday.